This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. We're separated unto God. We're holy. You may say, well, wait a minute. There's nothing holy about you. And Eddie, there's definitely nothing holy about you either. You know? Yes, ask my wife. She'll tell you. But, you know, practically, you know, but positionally, we are holy because we're in Christ. The same thing with righteousness. We're not righteous of anything we've done. We're righteous because we put on the righteousness of Christ. So, positionally, we're righteous. We're holy. We're separated. But practically, we still need the Holy Spirit to work out those areas in our lives until we stand before Him in glory. Most of us would all likely agree that the only truly holy person is Christ Himself. In the same way, we would also say that He is the only truly righteous one. Well, today, Pastor Eddie is going to explain to us that when we have Jesus, we also carry the holiness and righteousness that He has. God tells us that because He is holy, we too are holy, and that because He is righteous, we too are to be righteous. Furthermore, we only receive that through Him. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of Hebrews chapter 3, as he begins his message, The Supremacy of Christ. This morning we find ourselves in Hebrews chapter 3, and we're going to read from verses 1 through 6, but before we do that, we want the Lord to be with us in our study. Heavenly Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord. Lord, because of the cross, Lord, we have eternal life. But Lord, while we're here on earth, Lord, and giving you glory and honor, Lord, we want to learn of you. We want to grow in you, Lord, and through you, Lord. And we do that by your word. And that's why we gather here. We want to hear from you, not from man. There's so much stuff out there in the world. We know the enemy is the prince of the air. And what's going in the air into the satellite and to our televisions, computers, uh, mobile devices, is nothing but just negative, negative report, bad news. Uh, Lord, we want to hear from you, Lord. We want to hear from your word. And so, Lord, help us, Lord, now as we study your word. So we ask, Lord, as we read through this book, that you would open up our ears that we could hear from you, not from man, eyes that we could see for ourselves, our minds understanding what your word says, and our hearts receiving what your word says and applying it to our lives. Be with us, we ask in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hebrews chapter 3, we're going to read from verses 1 through 6. The writer of Hebrew writes this, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him who appointed him, as Moses also was faithful in all his house. For this one has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who builds the house has more honor than the house. For every house is built by someone, but he who builds all things is God. And Moses indeed was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which would be spoken afterwards. But Christ, as a son over his own house, whose house we are if we hold fast the confession 
and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. In our last study, we looked at chapter 2, verses 5 through 18, chapter 2, verses 5 through 18, where the writer of Hebrews tells us that God created man, mankind that is, a little lower than the angel, and that is that man was made lower than the angels in that a man is a physical being while angels are spiritual beings. Then he tells us that Jesus in verse 9, but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels, so Jesus himself, not that he was created, he has no beginning, no end, but he came in the form of man. When he was, when he left his throne in glory, born in the manger, Jesus was also humbled himself and made lower than the angels. And so he became a physical being. So he too understands what we go through. You know, he identifies with us. He came to die for us ultimately. And so he became man. He became like one of us. Now, Jesus Christ is God. As we said, he was never created. He was there in the beginning. He was one that created heaven and earth, uh, but he became a physical being. And ultimately, the writer of Hebrews mentions at the end of verse 9 of chapter 2, he says, for the suffering, he was made for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. Christ came down to die on the cross. He didn't come down to be left in the major, now beautiful major scene of Christmas. He came for the purpose of dying for the sins of the world. And so Jesus was made a little lower than the angels to die on the cross, to suffer for us, and so that he can be with you and I and identify with us. Now that brings us to Hebrews chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 1 through 6 and verses 1 through 6. We're only going to look at one thing is that Jesus is greater than Moses. Jesus is greater than Moses. In chapter 1 and 2, the, the writer of Hebrew already established the fact that Jesus is greater than the prophets. Jesus is greater than the angels. Now here in chapter 3, he's going to establish the fact that Jesus is greater than Moses. And that's in verses 1 through 6. And so for us that Probably doesn't really bother us or rough some feathers. But to the Jews back in those days, that meant a big deal. To say that anyone was greater than Moses. And I think for us, before we begin our verse-by-verse studies, to look at some of the qualities and that we find in Scripture about Moses. Because for the most part, the only Moses most people know is from the 1956 film, The Ten Commandments. They think Charleston Heston, you know, that's the only Moses that the world understands. But as believers in Christ, the Bible gives us a description and all that Moses has done in the name of God. And so we want to look at Moses through the eyes of the Jews, more importantly through the eyes of the Jews of the first readers of the book of Hebrews. And what ultimately, we're going to look at the Moses in the Bible, Now, Moses' name is mentioned 851 times in the entire Bible. That's in the Old Testament and New Testament. 851 times. 771 times in the Old Testament and 80 times in the New Testament. And of those 80 times in the New Testament, Moses' name is mentioned 11 times in the book of Hebrews. So let's look at some of the qualities that we find in the scriptures and what makes Moses so important to those who held the oracles of God the Old Testament to the Jews. And so first thing we see is that Moses was divinely called by God. Moses was called by God in Exodus chapter 3. He was called by 
I am. Remember, he went to the burning bush and he said, if the children of Israel is going to ask, who are you? What should I tell them? Give me a name, you know, like Bob, you know, something. And he says, I am. Does that ring a bell for New Testament believers, right? I am. Remember when they came to arrest Jesus, they came with, with the troop attachment of Roman troops and the temple guards. They wanted to arrest Jesus. Jesus says, whom are you looking for? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus says, I am. He didn't say, I am Jesus of Nazareth, because there's a lot of Jesus during that time. Jesus was a popular name, okay? So he said, I am. He asked him the second time. They fell the first time. The Bible says they all fell back when he says, I am. You know, is the voice that said, like be, in the very beginning. And Jesus again tell him, I am. So this is the I am that spoke to Moses in the burning bush. So Moses was divinely called, and he was chosen by God to lead the children of Israel out of the bondage of Egypt, and that gives, brings us to the second quality of Moses, is that he was a deliverer. He's known as the great deliverer because he delivered the children out of the bondage of Egypt by God. He was sent by God to deliver the children of Israel out of bondage. And the Lord used Moses to display great power, great power, turning water into blood and all the 10 plagues that are listed in Exodus chapter 7 through 11. We see all the plagues that God has judged Pharaoh, all of Egypt, and also it was a judgment against their gods. It's to prove that their gods weren't really gods. So they worship frogs. So since they worship frogs, God sent a lot of frogs. Uh, they had frog pot pie. It was on in their beds. It was everywhere. You like bugs? I'm going to send bugs. So every plague that God judged Egypt was against their gods. They had gods. So not only was he divinely called, he was also a deliverer, but also he was a prophet. Unlike all the other prophets in the Old Testament, you find that the prophets were indirectly spoken by God by various ways. However, Moses is the only one that we can see that God spoke directly to him. It was the Lord that gave him the message, the Ten Commandments directly. And it was also where God gave him the blueprints and the instruction how to build the tabernacle. So he was also a prophet. Fourthly, Moses was the lawgiver. Now, nothing to the Jews, there's nothing greater than the law. The Jews love the law. That's the most important thing to them. And I respect that. I think it's important for us to also have respect, not only for the entire whole counsel of God, but also everything that it's in the word of God. But Moses was respected because he was that conduit between God and the law. And so they respect the law. It's not only the Ten Commandments with um, the moral laws, but also you had the civil laws, you know, you killed my cow, you got to replace it with another cow kind of law, civil law, and then you had the Levitical laws, the priestly laws, and of course the tabernacle. Everything pertaining to the law and Judaism was recalled by the name of Moses. They would say, according to the law of Moses, the law of Moses tells us. So that's what the Jews would always say. Fifthly, Moses was also a writer and a historian of Israel. The first five books of the Bible, they call it the Torah, 
or as the Pentateuch. The Pentateuch is a Greek word for five books. And he was the one that gave us the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. It, it gives us history, but it also gives us the law. That's where Jesus Christ quoted most of the time. He quoted mostly from the Old Testament. And now when we look at the first five qualities, it really brings us now to the sixth quality about Moses. Moses was a humble man of everything that God trusted him and how God used him mightily. He was one that was humble. It says in Numbers chapter 12, verse 3, it says this, now the man Moses was very humble more than all men who are on the face of the earth. Now, after reading this passage describing how humble Moses is, you're probably thinking, you probably have the question, well, if Moses wrote the book of Numbers, who's writing about Moses? Well, it's Moses. <laughs> you know, he said, hey, I'm a humble man. He didn't do it that way. But, you know, as Jesus says, come to me, those who are weary, uh, heavy laden, come to me because I am gentle, I am humble, I am meek. And the same way Christ described himself, he has described himself here. And so, in addition to those qualities, there's a lot more about Moses. We don't have time for it, uh, but Moses was protected by God during his birth. You remember when Pharaoh, this was another Pharaoh after Joseph, after Joseph had passed away, Joseph was second in command in Egypt. Now a new Pharaoh came who didn't remember how God used Joseph to save Egypt during a famine. Uh, this new Pharaoh that came in, saw that the children of Israel were multiplying and felt that there was some kind of a threat to, to Egypt. And so he decided, he made an order that all the male Jews, Hebrew children, were to be cast into a crocodile-infested Nile. The Nile was their god. And so they were to take all the Jews, male Jews, and toss them and kill them. Thank God the mother of Moses was a godly woman, a godly woman we need today that would not abort or kill her child, but would save her child. She the child was saved in an ark, not the ark, you know, but an ark, a little uh, basket. And so the Lord saved them, and you find that in Exodus chapter 2. Not only was the Lord with, was with Moses during his birth, but the Lord was also with Moses at his death. It was the Lord who buried Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 35. We see now Moses in the New Testament. It was Moses who was with Jesus when Jesus was at the Mount of Transfiguration. Uh, there it said that Moses and Elijah was with Jesus, and that's in Matthew chapter 17. We're also going to see Moses in the end times, in the book of Revelation. If you study the book of Revelation, you'll find that there's going to be two witnesses. These two witnesses are described as this. In Romans chapter 11, verse 6, this is what it says about the two witnesses. It says, these have the power to shut heaven so that no rain falls in the days of their prophecy. Who did that? Elijah, remember? He held the rain. The second one, which is Moses, look, you, tell me if you can't describe, this is Moses. It says, and they have power over waters to turn them to blood. That's what Moses did. And to strike the earth with all plagues as often as they can. These are the two witnesses that will be here during the great tribulation. We're going to see this from the vestibule. We're having a celebrating. The church is a bride now. We're celebrating the honeymoon. Seven years in heaven. Seven years of great tribulation. These two witnesses will be here, and the Lord's going to use Moses and Elijah in those days. So now, that's the Moses we know in the Bible. However, keep in mind that the right, the right of Hebrews is writing to uh, Jewish believers. They found their faith in Christ. They've been suffering much persecution. They've been ostracized by their family. They've been abandoned. 
And so many of them were sadly going back to Judaism and leaving Christ. And that's why the writer of Hebrews says, how can we neglect so great a salvation? Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus fulfilled the Messianic prophecies in the Old Testament. He is the one. And many of them, because of persecution, were persecution, were going back. So now he's getting to the point where now to the Jews back then, again, Moses was the big dog, if you will. He was the great grand poobah. He was the great kahuna, if you will. And if you said anything about Moses, oy vey, bite your tongue. You know, it's like, wow. But this is why. This is the Moses to the Jews. We just saw some of the qualities in the Bible. Now, with that in mind, we read the text. We looked at who Moses was. Now, let us study the text verse by verse. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. The writing begins with the word, therefore. Whenever we study the scriptures, we see the word, therefore. Therefore, we have to ask ourselves, therefore, we need to look at the previous passages, right? And what was the previous two chapters about? Christ is greater than angels. So therefore, because Jesus is greater than actually prophets, he started with prophets first, I'm sorry. And then he said, Jesus is greater than the angels. Therefore, because Jesus is greater than the prophet, he's greater than angel. He said, therefore, he's now calling our attention, the attention of the first Hebrew readers. He said, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling. And so the first readers who read this, the Hebrews, and and now for us too, it is applicable for us today. He's calling our attention. He's calling us holy brethren. Holy, the word hagios, meaning consecrated ones. We're separated unto God. We're holy. You may say, well, wait a minute. There's nothing holy about you. And Eddie, there's definitely nothing holy about you either. You know? Yes, ask my wife. She'll tell you. But, you know, practically, you know, but positionally we are holy because we're in Christ. The same thing with righteousness. We're not righteous of anything we've done. We're righteous because we put on the righteousness of Christ. So positionally we're righteous, we're holy, we're separated, but practically we still need the Holy Spirit to work out those areas in our lives until we stand before him in glory. And so we are consecrated ones and we're partakers. And so this is applied to the believer. No unbelieving Jew or Gentile can understand this blessing. But this applies to those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ. If you are born again and you're a believer, you accepted Christ as Lord and personal Savior, then you are the one that the rite of Hebrew is referring to. You are partakers. You are holy Brethren, So he says this. Now look at the second half of verse 1. In verse 1 he says, Consider, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Jesus Christ. And so he's calling the attention of those readers and for you and I. He says, yes, we already established the fact that Jesus is greater than angels. He's better than the prophets. But I want you now to consider consider this. Now in the Greek to consider, it means to, it means this in the Greek. It means to put your mind on something, put your mind on something and remain there until you understand it. Consider it. Put your mind on this and remain there until you understand it. And that's what we need to do. When it comes to Jesus Christ, and that's for us every day, consider Jesus Christ. Consider who he, what, who he is to you, what he means to you, and what he has done for you. Consider this, especially in the world. We live in a world where there's so much negative and, you know, really garbage, to be honest. A lot of false teaching, a lot of false doctrine, and it's just drifting us away, it's pulling us away from the one we need to consider. 
And so we need to focus on Jesus Christ. So he's saying this, consider this, consider Jesus Christ. And he says, the apostle and high priest of our confession, right? And so notice that the, it means it's pointed to the apostle and the high priest. Now, there's no other passages that gives Christ this title, apostle. We are thinking now maybe, okay, he's apostle, that's kind of equal to a disciple or bishop, you know, but Jesus, an apostle? Yes, it's it's only mentioned here. But in the context of what the writer is, is using it, apostle is, as we know, apostolos in the Greek. It means one who's been sent. One who's been sent. That's what apostle means. And I know a lot of religious people like to use the apostle. Uh, Technically, there's no apostle today. In a broad sense, we've all been sent. So every one of us who share the gospel of Jesus Christ, we're sent to go out and make disciples of all nations, right? Baptize them in the name of the Father. That's the Great Commission. So in a sense, yeah, we're all apostles. But if someone gives you a business card and titles themselves and carries themselves properly, saying that they're an apostle, that's not biblical. Because one of the qualifications of an apostle... Peter tells us this when they were looking to fill in that 12th disciple. Remember Judas committed suicide? There was 11. They needed to fill in one. He couldn't wait, so they cast lots. But the qualification of an apostle during that time, Peter says, one who has been with us, one who has seen Christ, one who's been sent by Christ personally. Okay, so I don't think anybody is about 2,000 years old right about now. Unless they're they're 2,000 years old, then they qualify. I have no argument. Paul was an apostle because the Lord appeared to him in the road to Damascus. But here he's using it because Jesus is one who's been sent. Sent by who? Jesus was sent by the Father. As a matter of fact, this is what Jesus said in John chapter 6 verse, verse 38. Jesus says, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And that is the definition of an apostle, okay? So Jesus is not an apostle, but he is also a high priest. And what the priests were in the Old Testament, priests were one who represented God to man and man to God. They were like the mediator. And in the Old Testament, no one can actually go into the Holy of Holies only once a year. And even once a year uh, before that day of Passover, before the high priest made it, went into the Holy of Holies, he had to make sure that he was right with God. So he would take weeks. And as a matter of fact, sometimes they would stay into the Holy, not the Holy of Holies, but in the Holy Place to stay away from people, to stay away from everybody for a whole week to make sure they have not sinned. So when they go into the Holy of Holies, they're right with God. Okay, that was the priest. He did that. He made the sacrifice on behalf of the people. But because of Jesus Christ, we don't need a priest anymore. The Bible, as a matter of fact, calls those who believe in Jesus Christ priests and kings. So every single one of us are priests in a way. But we don't have to go to a priest. Just like the Old Testament didn't have to go to a priest. Even today, we don't have to go to a priest because now we have one who's better than the priest in the Old Testament. You've been listening to Running the Race with Pastor Eddie. Pastor Eddie's been digging into the book of Hebrews in a series called Jesus is Better. This book touches on so many amazing things, but really ties in the Old Testament covenant with the new. The author mentions the importance of the high priest and the sacrifices that were made. 
But the point is that Jesus became the high priest and also the sacrificial lamb for all people. Isn't it amazing how Jesus fulfilled all that was in the Old Testament? It's because Jesus became the high priest that now we can go to him for our strength, our courage, and our hope. Another way to come to God is in prayer. Jessica wants to tell you more about this. Prayers for this ministry would be so appreciated. The opportunity for the lost to be reached over the radio is incredible. So please pray for our listening audience and that what's shared will alter people's lives forever. Another way you can support us is by prayerfully considering giving in a financial way. There's a lot of time and effort that goes into producing this program. And we're grateful for all who are willing to come alongside us to support the creation of each program. If you feel led to do this, you can find a Give tab at runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks, Jessica. While you're there, you can find all sorts of information about Calvary Chapel of Milford. And if you're in the area, we'd love to have you come visit on a Sunday morning. You'll find service times and directions on our website, runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks for listening to Running the Race.